That's a post-pod stake. This is the pre-pod stake. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to week 10 of the SSFL podcast. I'm here with the usuals. Eric, how are you doing? Pretty good, all things considered. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm on top of the world. I stole two wins this week in uh, fantasy football, so that's all you can ask for, really. Kevin, how are the Canucks? Still singing uh, the anthem? No, they're 15 seconds in, so they're still tied, which is a positive. <laughs> that's all you can ask for. And uh, Tony, is it true the the higher they are, the harder they fall? Um, yeah, it had I mean, to be just, Char, right? You had to it, know. It, yeah, it was it was fate, it was destiny. I don't. It happens, you know. I would the you know it's good. We got it out of the way. The dream of the perfect season is over. I, I, now we can just focus. Now we can focus. Get back up on our feet. We had a tough week. Kyler was hurt. Fournette and Evans are on by. It is what it is, you know. So a uh, guy got an injury on his lineup. Yeah. <laughs> so it's uh it's an anomaly. It's not a, a trend in the absolutely, making. Absolutely, it's an anomaly. I'm about to absolutely destroy Kenny this week to set the record straight. Okay, well there's our weekly chirp for Kenny. So <laughs> uh, quota fulfilled. Uh, we got a lot of things to talk about. Maybe less clowny stuff than last week, although the clowning continues. Aaron Rodgers continues to double down on everything dumb. And um, maybe we should get right into our second favorite quarterback in the uh, in the league, Russ. You know, really just thanking God. God really helped him recover through this. And, you know, the incredible team of doctors in Seattle, Kevin. But mostly God. Uh, personally, mostly. the thing that I found most shocking was that the amount of time he found to put into the production for the fact that all he had to be doing for weeks was waking up. I heard he was doing finger puppet exercises to get that thing loose. And that's grueling, man. He's got three kids under five, whatever it is. It's a lot of puppet shows. And I'm surprised that didn't make it into that stupid little montage. Like, I, I don't know, man. I've seen, I've seen obituaries at the Oscars that were less produced than what he did for a finger. Someone... Someone like offhandedly mentioned it in the podcast and like I kind of missed it at the time, but like they totally did like exaggerate how long it was going to take so that they could be like, oh my God, he came back oh. early. It's a miracle, right? Absolutely. Easiest, easiest money you could have bet in the NFL this week, which I mean, to be fair, <laughs> a lot of upsets happened this weekend, but I, I don't know, man. Like I feel like as a Seahawks fan, you're either brainwashed or willfully ignorant to how much of a nard this guy is. He's obviously an incredible quarterback. I'm never going to like dispute that, but I don't know how, like he's got to be exhausting. Like you see the people on Twitter that are commenting under it and like, they're like, Oh, Russ is back. Oh, they're so excited. It's like, Oh my God. Like, look at what he's doing. I I just find it embarrassing. I really do. Fair enough. Yeah. He's a little bit of a a putz. I, uh, I saw a great tweet. It was something like the lions sitting on their bye week watching all the shitty teams win this week. (laughs) Just killed me. (laughs) bunch of bunch of bad teams uh how are the survivor pools we'll probably get into it later but did everyone survive jesus fucking christ <laughs> i talked myself into picking the goddamn cowboys not just and yourself eric me. <laughs> true true oh, took you down no. with me but still like of all the weeks and i even thought it on saturday on sunday morning i was like it's gonna be of course this is gonna be the week because you know you pick your least favorite team and then they just they do you again the other way so oh I no survived. So you're both out, Kevin and Eric. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. only four people left. Who? If yeah, you who? go back, if you go back and listen to the tape, I was talking about why I was going to take the Steelers, and then I listened to Eric and I think Anthony's rationale. He just couldn't take the Cowboys again because he said you'd already taken them. Am I yeah. wrong? Yeah. 
Yep. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. Like, at home, like, this locks their best defensive player. I was watching part of that game. They played awful. Like, it was it was not close ever. I had no hope at any point that's like, oh, they're down by 16. Oh, well, Dak, Dak can make that up in two drives. Nope. They scored how many points with Cooper Rush, and then they come out and do that? I was I was very upset. I was I was upset. Yeah, it was devastating to say the least. Oof, I can't. rough week then. <laughs> who who is still? I almost and I almost got burned by the Cowboys earlier. The um the game I picked them was actually that Patriots game, which was mm-hmm. also like way closer than it should have been. And I was like the whole time exactly what you guys are going through. Like I'm really the Cowboys are gonna fuck me in the Survivor. I fucking hate the Cowboys. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just I got lucky there, but um, but yeah, I mean the Steelers made it way closer than it should have been on Monday. No, no, the refs made it way closer than it should have been. The Bears got jobbed that game, and I'm never the I'm never the blame the refs guy. I I, I promise. I think you guys know me well enough. I am not. That was embarrassing. Yeah. That was embarrassing. They took away a touchdown on a ghost, whatever the fuck that play call was. You can't cut the guy, but he missed him. And, and then they missed two blatant ones on Justin Fields after they gave the exact same call to Ben. Yep. Embarrassing. And then later in the game, they've got them on a third and whatever. They got them on a third and 10 and they get the sack on Big Ben. And then they call this taunting penalty when he's like, you know, 20 yards away from any Steelers. Like, just ridiculous. And then, and then Tony Carente throws a hip check that uh, Scott Niedermeyer would be proud of. <laughs> I yeah, just... no, I, I agree that that was pretty egregious. And um, I, it's one of the frustrating things about, well, I guess pro sports in general, but it's particularly the NFL really protects their officials. And there's never any sense of like accountability, I feel like. And it's, it can be really frustrating. Like it's all on tape. Like we're watching it, right? Like you, someone needs to address like what happened. Like, I don't do know. You... Do you think they do that behind like closed doors? Like I assume that like the leagues do a lot of like internal reviews and the refs get hammered, but like, I think it's a bad precedent to be like openly roasting your refs. Like their job is already like thankless. Right. I mean, yes and no, they they need to be held to a standard though. And like, clearly that was not like, that wasn't just like one bad call. I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. Like I get it. Like, it, yeah, expect some missed calls, but that was pretty egregious. That was probably the worst I've seen in, in like a long time. Um, I know they do do internal reviews because that's how they determine who um, refs the playoff games in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. They go back and look at like who was like the best performance, but it doesn't really help like on a game to game basis. And I don't, I don't know what the solution is. Like these were like, I mean, so I think that I do know what the solution is, or at least I think that I, yeah, think we could get a lot closer. And they need to be okay with the ref on the field just getting overruled by someone in a booth regularly. Yeah. Like they need to just be okay with like ref makes a call. We don't need to go to review. We don't need to buzz down to the ref and say, okay, yes. ref, why don't you go to the sideline and look at it so you can see what I just clearly saw? They just need to buzz down to the ref and say, this is the call, add it to the play, move on. Like, yeah. Weightlifting does that, which is like a really arbitrary sport to like. I just happen to know that like there's three judges that get to make the like, okay, you made the lift call like at the time. But then there's like a jury of like six other people that are allowed to be like, no, no, we're actually overruling it and like making that call. And like that, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I think like it's hard, it's harder with football than like baseball, where like, you know, like it's objectively a ball or a strike. Mm-hmm. Not really, though. 
<laughs> Baseball's going through the same thing. Well, I, I, really. there's like a Twitter account that posts like a scorecard that's like literally like we checked with a computer. I think mm -hmm. that's so interesting. Like, you know, it feels a lot like uh, soccer, like a couple of years ago, where it's like we have video review and they're like, no, no, we don't want video mm -hmm. review. Like, that's silly. And it's like, like, obviously, you should just do this. Like, I mean, baseball is probably the most like change averse sport. Mm -hmm. It's the most old white guy get off my lawn sport. That <laughs> yeah. exists. But um, there, you could point to something like this in pretty much every sport. Like I remember seeing a, a documentary like 15 years ago about this guy who was the, I don't know, some sort of like ice technician for the Oshawa Generals who had de developed this technology where you put a chip in the puck and you have something going on in the posts of the net. And as soon as the puck crosses into the net, the posts light up red and like tell you that there's a goal scored. And like it can tell to an incredibly high degree of accuracy whether or not the puck is in the net. And you don't need to go to a million cameras and see like, oh, is it stuck under the pad? Do we think it's in the net under the pad? Like you just know. And that same technology exists for football. You can hook that technology up, put it in the ball, and then you can sync that up to cameras that are watching. And you can say, okay, at this moment, we can see the knee down. This is where the ball is. Is it in the, is it in the end zone or not? And we're just not doing it because people are like more or less afraid of change. I've noticed that a couple of times too. Like it's not a huge deal, but it's sort of is where it's like, oh, they're moving the chains. And like, you know, from watching, that's like a full like six inches back. But, you know, they're just like, all right, first down, let's move it. And like before anyone can even like question anything, they're just like on to the next down. Yeah, I was watching the game last night with Arctica and she's watching, you know, they spot the ball and bring the chains up and she just looks at me and goes, so they arbitrarily put the ball down and then bring a ruler out to tell if they're right? <laughs> yeah. Two it's... rulers connected by a chain. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, it's all a little like loosey-goosey and like, I understand there's a bit of like, oh, well, we just like want to keep the game moving, but like... 100%, yeah. There's got to be a line there. Like, there's a lot of money and a lot of things on the line. And, like, my favorite, also fucking slow. <laughs> the, the, be the best, like, ref thing was when he measured it with the, um, uh, the, the, the like, post it note or whatever, the, mm -hmm. like, flashcard. Mm -hmm. That was just the ultimate, like, like, that, there's no business that he knew what he was doing. That's not, like, it was just hilarious, though. Good entertainment. Yeah. And also, your point about we got to keep the game moving. Like, I think you solved that problem by not having to have the ref on the field look at it themselves. Yeah. yeah. I like that idea, Eric, a lot. I, I think, like, it, it's kind of like a, um, to throw in another obscure, uh, semi obscure analogy, like, it's like a chess clock thing. Like, the beauty of the chess clock is, like, you have so many minutes to spend for the entire game. And the idea is that you make the easy decisions as quick as possible so that you can tank on, like, the hard things. Mm -hmm. And, like, I think football would be a lot better off if, like you said, like, you know, for the, like, easy overrules or the easy things, it's just like, nope, this is the answer, move on. This is the answer, move on. We don't need to have the guy go over and stand under the little Microsoft Surface mm -hmm. boots and, like, click, dick around <laughs> on his fake iPad and just, like, waste a bunch of time. Uh, Brendan, it's a Microsoft Surface tablet. It's not an iPad. Come on. <laughs> I pay a lot of money for that sponsorship. He said that. No, he but the that. joke is that they actually had to, like, tell people... Like when they first brought in Surface, all the casters and everyone were still calling them iPads, and they had to be like, "No, no, you have to say Microsoft Surface. It is not an iPad." So yeah, uh, I have a better. couple quick thoughts like across the board in sports for these things. Um, I've always thought that video review is a very slippery slope. Yep. Because once you open that up, there is 
like with the technology that the layman has and that the broadcast rights have, there's always going to be a got you play. Whether like the Matt Duchesne offside years ago haunts the NHL because then they had to institute the coach's challenge and then they had to change the coach's challenge rule because now they can't take a timeout away from them. And it's, it's a fine line because it's like, hey, if we're going to commit to getting a very selective amount of the calls right, it's like what you're talking about with the arbitrary spotting of the ball. It's like if we have the technology, we should be doing it for everything. And there's not really an argument to say we shouldn't based on the fact that we already kind of deferred to getting away from human error. So that's tough. And that's a tough bridge to cross. Um, on the baseball wavelength, they're re- like robo umps are pretty much ready to go. Like that mm-hmm. is the easiest sport to be like, Oh, the ball crossed this. It's, it's a striker. It's a ball. And there's no more bitching. There's no more of the refs like popping the chest with like Tony, Tony, I don't know. LaRusso is that, that was his. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. his yeah. Down, right. Like, that aspect goes out of baseball and it's kind of funny that you say that baseball is the last one to change because I totally agree but it's the closest to doing it so that's that's ready to go and they've already tried to shorten the games um the other thing is when you talk about Anthony you you mentioned the NFL doesn't really hold the refs accountable I find that interesting because in the NHL refs don't do media after the game at all so you can make the worst call in the world Tim Peel and you have nothing to answer for. There's no media that you're obligated to do. But the NFL rolled out Tony Carente. Even if you don't agree with what he's True. saying, he has to answer for it. So I've always found that fascinating about the NHL. And, and again, to make it about the NHL, that they don't actually have any sort of recourse. But you as an NFL fan feel like you're not getting enough, even you, though you have that window into it. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like we need more than just the, the ref sitting up there giving some bullshit excuse to defend his call. Like... You know, like, obviously he's not, he's just going to go up there and say something dumb and like nothing he said made sense. And it just like, it actually just made it worse, honestly, because he said something like, I felt like there was taunting or like, that feels like taunting to me. And everyone's like, okay, well, this is the problem that you can't just feel penalties. They're not just like, (laughs) they're not like breezes or drafts in your house, you know, like you're supposed to see it. For sure. But the flip side of that is like, as an NHL fan, you don't have any of that insight. You don't have the ability to poke holes and like, okay, well he clear like it's clearly bullshit. Cause even he doesn't agree with it or he's saying this, or he's saying that it's just like, Oh, Colin Campbell uh, called me and he said his, uh, his son plays on the other team. So I can't suspend the guy. Anyway, <laughs> it's interesting with technology and sports. I feel like it's kind of one of those, you can't have your cake and eat it too, even though everyone on either side of it's sort of, wants that like you complain about how long the reviews take and then it's like okay well do you want to get it right or do you want to get the game over in 95 minutes like you can't have both of them yeah and i mean i would rather get it right and i'll watch football for eight hours a day like i already do (laughs) yeah and i mean like they have to balance like um i think that like they really have to balance like how much is this a show and how much is this like something where our number one priority is like competitive integrity mm-hmm. you know like in the end like honestly it's all just a show you know yep, it is entertainment i disagree now i disagree with the fact that it's the betting the betting is going to be the heavier money than the actual entertainment aspect i think they're going to make more revenue via gambling so it's it's, it's better for them to get it correct as opposed to be entertaining well they're not like directly the people making money from that. Uh, yeah, I disagree yeah, with that, Kevin. Uh, really? 
you don't do, think yeah, them I, signing contract like I maybe maybe I'm ignorant on that, but like signing exclusive contracts when now now that it's actually gambling is legalized, they will eventually be signing contracts with FanDuel. They or do. Draft they have King. yeah, they have contracts with FanDuel and DraftKings. They get kickbacks from DraftKings already. Yeah. So, okay, but do you think that's more than like their multi-billion-dollar TV deals that they're getting and all the advertiser revenue? Like, like where it's going, I, I very well think it could. With the amount of money that comes in on a weekly basis for gambling, I think that is an avenue. Like, I guess the way I would look at it is they already know people are going to watch. So what they need to do is ensure that it's right because they can grow the other thing. It's kind of like Batman's approach. It's NHL every time, but Batman's approach with like American uh, viewers, they're always going to have the Canadian viewers. So they're going to invest and try and expand what they know is a bigger market in the U S could you not also make the argument that they already know people are going to gamble. So they may, as yeah, well that's make what I was going to say. I don't think people will stop gambling if the league continues to be like, yeah, the people that Either I know that gamble on sports are going to gamble on anything that moves. For sure. But we're also all under 30 and this is just becoming legal. And like some States, it's still illegal. Is it not like it, it's yeah. still expanding? I guess is my whole point. Is like that's a that's a market they still haven't tapped. But I'm I'm, I'm you can you can gamble that. in states where it's illegal to gamble. Sure, but there's also the the argument for like the like the societal view on it as opposed to like being like commonplace. Like there's a lot of other arguments as opposed to saying I know what a VPN is. <laughs> yeah, and I mean even the states that that it is still legal and people have VPNs, like they just. Uh, legalized it in Arizona this year and mm-hmm. the amount of money coming in from Arizona IPs I'm sure has gone up dramatically compared to last year like there are people yep. who, who gamble because they're gonna just gamble and there are people that live in that state that are like oh it's for, it's legal now like I'll give it a try I mean like this is like an impossible question to answer so it's like kind of not worth going down the road much more but like my final thought is just like the amount of money that people spend on Super Bowl ads makes it really hard for me to believe that that is not like their primary source of income. Just mm-hmm. like TV deals and advertising revenue. T- total, totally fair. And I'll tie in a bow on it too on my side, just saying that I see that avenue being exponential growth for them as opposed to something they already have and arguably can't really grow anymore would be sort of the way I was looking at it. Yeah, that's that's totally reasonable. That makes sense to me. Yeah, it's interesting. I totally agree with Brendan on this, like the Super Bowl example and everything. But yeah, it's interesting, interesting conversation. Um, to change uh, topics a little bit, uh, I want to complain about running backs. Can we complain about running backs? Yeah, absolutely. So you're me. It's Sunday morning. You're looking at Chase Edmonds and Kenyon Drake. It doesn't actually end up mattering, but everything that i looked at and i like i will be the first to admit i don't know i don't have the deepest knowledge especially not on this podcast of the nfl and in general if the experts are all telling me one thing i'm gonna listen to the experts everyone says don't start Kenyon drake start chase edmonds don't start Kenyon drake chase edmonds chase edmonds chase edmonds Kenyon drake has been popping off recently though there's been this is the third week in a row where I would have been much better off starting Kenyon Drake two weeks, which I think would have affected my like actual outcome of the game. Like, what am I? Am I just like, is this just one of those things where you like make the right call and lose, or like, am I missing something here? Like, how am I supposed to do I this? I mean, Chase Edmonds got injured, so I mean that. And if you look at the game, he would have had a huge game because the 49ers can't tackle a fucking junior varsity athlete, so... (laughs) 
but even you can only like, hope to contain James Conner. <laughs> <laughs> even 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 beside that, like he's only cracked 15 points one time this season. He had. You, you've watched the league, right, Brendan? Yeah. You know what rankings war is. <laughs> that's it, like, that's kind of what you're like personifying right now. What do you mean? Well, you you presented it as like all of the experts told me to do this, so I did it. So should I do it again? Well, I mean, it's easy now because well, no, no, I'm not trying to say that. I'm just like I'm saying that this situation comes up a lot. Is like what information am I supposed to use to get me to the point where I'm like, no, actually Kenyon Drake is the correct choice. Is there that information? Does that exist? Or is it just one of those, like sometimes random players just pop off and like, you can make the correct choice. You can, you know, all in on a queen four offsuit and get there. That feels more accurate to me, that analogy. I think this is just fantasy football. Uh, I think that actually the like whole expert, um, Thing. there's a lot of groupthink out there and there are a lot of experts who don't want to take big you know out on a limb calls on certain things because it's better to just be wrong with everybody than it is to be the one person that's wrong when everybody else is right and it's the same similar thing to like you know every time a marvel movie comes out and the rotten tomato score is 99 like sure you can like marvel movies but they're not all citizen kane it's just that every reviewer doesn't want to get roasted on twitter by like the teams of people who don't want to agree with that with that take and so they just kind of like, you know, go along with it and move on. And I feel like that's kind of the case with some of the running backs. And I do think that it takes way longer than it should in a like short season for people to change their opinion on players and you yes. get entrenched in an opinion. And so like Corderell Patterson has been a number one wide receiver, or a number one running back almost every week since week two. His worst week is 14.8 points since week two. Like, it's insane how good and how consistent he's been. And no week have I seen the consensus rankings have him higher than a mid-tier RB2. Like, it's ridiculous. People are still putting, like, Josh Jacobs ahead of Cordell Patterson every week with, like, nothing to show for it. And it's just the group thing. So, like, this is really just me, like, my thinly veiled attempt to, like, extract advice from you all on, like, how to play running backs. But, like, how much are you considering, like, like the, the thing that you're weighing, I guess, is like how good is this running back objectively versus like how bad is the defense they're playing against, right? No, I'm getting yeah, some... definitely. I do do that. Do you want to trade me, Kenyon Drake? Uh, I mean, I'm fucking thin at running backs after Nick Chubb has also got declared uh, or mm. tested positive for COVID. That's my other like tangent is like, what are the Browns going to do with one healthy running back? probably really well still because they already did it <laughs> they already did it with yeah. johnson like yeah. i don't know like i don't like kind of to answer your question brendan about like i don't really put in like outside of the top like five to seven guys with like the elite talent like to me it's just about is this guy going to touch the ball 18 times okay great he's probably going to get this many points like mm-hmm. even if he sucks sure like I had no idea what Chuber Hubbard was going to do, but I knew he was going to touch the ball 18 times a game. And there's only so many people that'll do that. And if he touches it for 34 yards, that sucks. But I don't know. I just, I, I think, I think opportunity is more integral than talent unless you're in the top, top end. Yeah. That's I a, that's that. a very good soundbite. Yeah. I, I, I'm I, try, I That sounds shitty, but like, that's actually very, like, very insightful. I think volume is important, but um, 
Yeah. I mean, I also just think that you, I mean, you only have so many running backs on your roster too in a 14 team league. So half the time you're just like, well, this is all I got. So I'm starting them and hoping for the best. I also think Joe Mixon's like a perfect example because he's been a great, he's been an excellent running back since he came into the league. But ever since this year and like the end of last year, when the off, I, I, that's not true, not end of last year, but this year when Burrow is kind of taking the, the passing offense as a threat, he's just sort of taken off and become part of that offense and it makes it that much better. But he sucked for like three years and everyone talked about how he was always such a disappointment. Yeah. Oh, this is interesting. I mean, this is really just me wanting to complain about Kenya Drake popping off on my bench for three weeks in a row, and I'm going to start him this week. And of course, this is going to be the week where he has a down week. So, what do you think is worse, Kenya Drake popping off on your bench three weeks in a row, or me starting Kenya Drake for seven weeks or whatever it was, him doing dick all, and then me dropping him and him being good on your bench? Pick your I mean, the yeah, first, the first one. <laughs> I'm sitting there looking at um, Mike Gesicki still on Kevin's team doing well after I dropped him and I'm, I've been struggling with tight ends since. So yeah, I can this, um, your pain. this kind of ties into that, um, that graph I sent you guys um, about um, like win above replacement and how the, like, I mean, you have Cooper cup. Okay. is number one. And then two, three, four, five, and six are all like first round running backs in the draft, which is kind of interesting. Just um, and then there's Cordero Patterson, <laughs> just the trend breaker. But um, um, yeah, I just think it's uh, kind of interesting how like if you have like if you just invested in those top guys, you, like like I don't feel any year running back pain because I've just been rolling out Austin Heckler and Najee Harris every week, and obviously that's a luxury. But like I mean, this year it just seemed to work out with those top guys. You kind of just start plug and play guys. I don't. I think. I think this year is a little bit of an anomaly, but um, mm-hmm. I think part of the thing about this year with the zero RB thing was that wide receiver I thought was so deep. So like in those rounds that you were targeting those like fourth and fifth round running backs, the wide receivers that you were able to take there were like I felt just miles better. Um, and so you had like this competing where it's just like. Yeah, but I got good receivers early and now there's good value at running back. And I agree, there was some good value at running back in those rounds, but there's even better value at wide receiver, I felt anyway, personally. I don't think I disagree with you, but I mean, I don't want to speak for Eric, but for me, it was the running back production felt more predictable because of sort of the the share of the offense they were going to get. Whereas the wide receivers at that point, you are kind of saying like, I'm staking my claim in this guy having this many targets or like this much opportunity. So like, to me, that's kind of how I was trying to draft. Like if you like the two receivers I took in the first two rounds were Devontae Adams and Keenan Allen, because I knew they were always going to get roughly 10 targets a game on average. So at worst they were going to get hurt or that sort of thing. Whereas with the running backs, I tried to target late. It were the, it was the guys that were either looking to be at like 60% of the carries, like that sort of thing. So I don't know. I, I feel like you're taking a dart throw more on the receivers in that time than running backs. And maybe that's just not true. Or maybe the value I mean, like, is not showing through. I mean, like Cooper Cup was a fourth round pick. Debo Samuel, I don't know where he went. Like these are like Jamar Chase, like Marquise Brown. Like, I don't know. I just feel like. But, but I, I think that's more of a pro. Like the reason they're so more replaceable is because you were right about kind of taking more of a dart shot than other people. Whereas I was sort of defaulting to 
something that would be safer in the running backs. Like, do, do, do you see what I'm saying? Like for every, yeah, like, but I, I, I think this went, crew went around Debo Samuel. Cause I bet you like I, Debo, I had him in my like pre-draft rankings going like in the middle of the seventh. I don't know I, where he actually I, went. I, I, I think, be, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I think the point is that like these uh, first round running backs are safe and like that's what they were supposed to be and they are being that so and that's what you drafted them to be and that's what you're getting well i think that i i totally think this is an outlier year and i will say the reason why i did that zero rb thing is because if you look at um like ecr expert consensus ranking for the last 10 years and you compare one year to the next running backs typically in the top 10 of expert consensus ranking going into the draft there's a 50% change from one year to the next. The guys are in the top 10. Only five of them will be in the top 10 the next year. Whereas typically wide receivers, tight ends, quarterbacks have all been closer to the 75% mark between 66 and 75. Tight ends are a little bit worse, but with Kelsey being the outlier. And so I looked at that and I said, okay, if I'm drafting a wide receiver in the first round, I'm more likely to get one that will continue to be good enough to be a first round pick next year than I am if I draft a running back in the first round, especially when I'm drafting at the end of the first round. Like you did do very well. You drafted two guys that ended up being good. I won't take it away from you. But I do think that like, if I'm just rolling the dice every single year, I'm going to keep going zero RB. And I love seeing stuff like this because it means that next year people are going to go even harder. And if it swings back the other way, I'm going to win a championship. So I think that's interesting stats. I didn't know that. It's just interesting. But like part of that has to be the like durability of running backs, right? Like there's running backs that are top picks they and they will be top picks for a year but they won't be the next year because they've just been beat to shit i think like what you're saying is sort of true like looking back at my like rankings and my rankings are pretty like heavily on like value over next replaceable or next replacement like the drop off from the first wide receiver to like the fifth and then the 10th is like substantially steeper more steep than the drop off from running backs and like you are like very heavily incentivized to notice that everyone else is drafting running backs and to draft wide receivers. But as soon as someone else starts drafting wide receivers, it's pretty bad for you to like, like double down on that strategy. You mean like with respect to me and Kevin both doing the same thing? Yeah. Or technically you copied me because I picked before you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, with, like with two people is still like fine, but if it's like, yeah. you know, receiver 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 and then you are up like you're hurting yourself pretty badly picking a receiver there i see i disagree though because like i mean this is hindsight entirely but my decision i've told anthony this a number of times for my third wide receiver in the fourth round was between Allen robinson and cooper or third round was Allen robinson and cooper cup and because of group think i was like oh i can't take cooper cup this early and have robert woods be the best guy so i'll default to Allen Robinson's really good. He's on my team. That'll be great. If I take Cooper Cup, we're not having this discussion. We're talking about how good my team is. So and the same thing with Amari Cooper and Cooper Cup at the third. Yeah, I thought he would, everyone has. I thought Cooper great, Cup would get back to me. That hindsight yeah. story, but I think that's why, as great as these things are, it's why every league gets a Sherry R winning it last year, or somehow <laughs> being first and then beating the best team in the league in week ten and maintaining his lead. Like there there's so much chance that goes into it. And I feel like while this is educational, it really like the more I'm learning about this is to care less about it because all you can do is like do what you think is right because you'll feel better about it. Oh yeah. Totally. I wasn't trying to make 
like gross generalizations. I just thought this was interesting for this year in particular. And I agree, this feels a little bit more like an outlier year than anything, but it was just interesting. But this is the same thing, like you're familiar with poker where like you can make the right decisions and just get punished for them. And sometimes you run hot and you make the right decisions and you get paid for them. And sometimes you don't like, I think that it's a little bit of a dangerous, like dangerous thing to be like super results oriented be like oh well i just picked a random person and got lucky so i'm just going to pick random people next year like there's a reason we like show up with draft rankings and like spend time trying to figure this out even if you're going to be wrong some of the time and like this is the eternal problem with the nfl is that the sample size is small enough that when you're wrong it's bad <laughs> like very bad and you can't correct for that very well yeah uh, i also want to say this you've Anthony, you've shared this Jeff Anderson guy's wins above replacement a few times. Um, and I do really like that somebody is taking a war-based approach to looking at... Oh, that was you, Brendan? Is that why you're waving at me? I was waving at Amy. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I thought you were looking at the... Uh, sorry, what was I, I like that somebody's taking a war-based approach to fantasy football because I really like that about baseball. But I totally disagree with the way that they're doing it. And I think that it's too focused on like smaller leagues to be really super relevant for our league because the reason that Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor, all these guys are so much higher than Corderell Patterson in these rankings <laughs> is because they're putting a higher emphasis on um, how many times you have like really, really big game weeks, which when you're in a 10 team league, 12 team league, like though they talk about week winning weeks, that's true because everybody has like that 15 point baseline. Right. Whereas when you're in larger leagues, I actually think there's more value in having somebody who like really consistently gives you 12, 15 points. It's going to put you in more positions to win than the person who goes 30, 10, 30, 10, 30, 10, you know? So um, I look at these and I go, I don't totally agree. I do agree that Cooper Cup is by far the most valuable player of the year, but I don't know that Alvin Kamara has been more valuable than, you know, Tom Brady or than, uh, Debo Samuel or somebody like that. Like I think yeah. Debo Samuel is a bad example because he had had some really down weeks. But people that have consistency, I think, are more valuable in a larger league. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I, again, like I'm not. This is not gospel by any means. I just think it's yeah, like you said, Eric. You had this on the Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> Can we not go there, please? I just think it's a fun. Yeah, it's a fun. It's something different that I hadn't seen before. Um, someone do, and it's an interesting approach to trying to like take some sort of objective approach to how the draft worked out um and so yeah i and i'm also kind of interested that there's three quarterbacks um ranked eight ten and eleven by this metric which you know the late round quarterback thing um well i guess not like if you have lamar jackson josh allen tom brady it's clearly worth it apparently which i just also think is interesting mm -hmm. I, I think i've settled on like i want to be the second person to pick a quarterback in our draft every year that's my like my dream <laughs> and not just because Patrick Ice has become Patrick lukewarm this year <laughs> so I wanted to ask about that actually so if he continues this season to have the same like he continues to do the rest of the season at the same rate he's been going which he's actually still scored a decent amount of fantasy points overall he's been like an okay quarterback where does he get drafted next year like is he still the QB1 or is he so. like QB5 like where does he go I, yeah, I uh, will answer your question with a question. If he's not QB one, who is Kyler Murray? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Josh Josh Allen. For, Josh Allen was my number two by like like a ten percent margin. So like that's not unreasonable. 
I love be some Lamar because he's going to rush for a thousand yards. So, but no, seriously, like there's all, I, I mean it, there's, there's a basement you get with him. And if he improves a modicum in passing, you're not like, I don't think anyone's really touching him and they're trying to make him pass more, but he's still in his prime. I mean, right. So in the last three years, um, Patrick Mahomes has finished QB seven, QB four, QB six. Should he still be getting drafted first overall? That's really interesting. That's really interesting. I thought Terrific, it would be like a, like, a, like a top three finish each week. You know week. who That's needs you? The Green Bay Packers beat reporters. <laughs> <laughs> who uh, Do you know who has been QB1 each of those years? I'm curious. Uh, I'm pretty sure Josh Allen was QB1 last year. Um, One of them was Lamar, I'm pretty sure. Is that I think Lamar was three years ago. Josh Allen was QB1 last year. So Lamar was QB was QB1 two years ago, 2019. Lamar. Is it Tom? No, it Rogers, maybe. Did he give the late MVP or did you just have the one year? Rogers had so her three years ago. Sorry, we might be talking about different things slightly here. So when I said like three years ago, Mahomes was QB1, but then two years ago he's QB seven. Last last year's QB4. And this year, if he continues, it'll be QB6. Yeah, so yeah. those are like the three years going in. So it was Mahomes and then Lamar, then Josh Allen. And then this year it would be Tom Brady if it continued where it is. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's really interesting, actually. And I would say no, then he doesn't warrant being the top quarterback drafted. If he doesn't finish, I would say like he needs to finish, like he needs to get off to a roaring end of the season and finish in like the top three again in order for me to, I think, consider him at the QB1. And even then, I, I don't know if I would do it. That's really interesting. Yeah, for sure. I think if he like, even if he like popped off for the last five games, six games of the year, I would have a hard time drafting him first over like first quarterback overall. I I have a hard disagree on that because I don't have any questions with Patrick Mahomes. Like Jordan is a big Kansas City fan and he always talks about, and I used to laugh at him for this because he said it for like two years, they have no receivers outside of Tyreek and Travis Kelsey. So if teams are finally figuring out how to scheme two players out, if, if they get a good like second receiver, like not a Sammy Watkins, but like, a, like a, a quality receiver there, I have zero problems drafting Patrick Mahomes number one overall, because I don't have a doubt in him or Tyreek or Kelsey for next year, I guess would be my, my view. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, I mean, I think that having watched a fair amount of chiefs games, like it feels like, you know, his performance is 50% on him and 50% on just like not really having anyone to throw to. Like he's made some just like objectively bad decisions that I don't think like a veteran quarterback makes, but those are maybe also the kind of things that you can like coach out of him or like fix. See, I think that was the thing that was making Mahomes special for the last two years is he would make plays and you're like, oh, like Chris Collins, no one else makes that play. No one else tries to throw across his body. And it's finally burning him because A, he doesn't have playmakers, but B, people aren't scared of them anymore. They're playing them straight up. They have, to a degree, they have figured out how to play them. Like Rosenthal was talking about how he had a tweet at like halftime that Mahomes had thrown the ball like 20 times and had like, like 80 yards or something stupid like that. And he said, this happens every week. So there has to be, whether we can't figure it out, there's an NFL, the NFL at large has figured out how to play that offense. And they've been dominant for like two years. So I think they're sort of reluctant to change. And I'm, I'm curious to see how they get out of it, but I would have no problem drafting Mahomes first overall, if they got a second playmaker behind three kill. 
I like my favorite thing about fantasy football is that people can have like completely different opinions and neither of them are like obviously or even objectively incorrect. Safe space. <laughs> I, but I'm serious. Like it's, it's really interesting that people can have like totally different approaches and like do well. Like it's, it's fun that, you know, it's not just like, well, you just have to follow this formula and you win. Um, like the enlightened centrist of the podcast. Don't no. <laughs> no there are some things you should have very strong opinions for <laughs> fantasy football maybe not one of them uh do we want to get into matchups for week 10 do we have anything else we want to complain about yell about i have I a do. quick little fun thing that is not nfl related but it, we talked about it in our chat and i thought it would be fun really quickly i have the top four all-time nhl um off-season finds in europe if anyone wants to play for speeding tickets or traffic oh so, so first of all we're gonna play an over uh well let's just play a price is right style on it's in euros for the number one overall highest ticket can we can we add a little bit of context here no no we're so, okay. gonna talk about no, the fact because... that aaron Rodgers got fined 41 dollars for being a complete fucking moron sure give the context of that and then you'll love this so aaron Rodgers got fine the fines were announced today for the packers oregon aaron Rodgers for all this covid nonsense um and i was complaining about the fact that the fine for him is a pittance and then somehow that got correlated with Finnish players getting fined lots of money for mm-hmm. speeding in Finland. And so now we're here. Okay, so does anyone want to start with their yeah. guess? So I'm pretty sure I remember the story, and I seem to recall Timo Solani getting a really, really big fine one time because he likes cars a lot, and he has made a lot of money in the NHL. I want to say his fine was somewhere in the range of like $300,000 or something like that for a single speeding ticket. I'm going to take 300001 then. Are we sorry? Is that dollars, euros, or I believe it's in, it's in euros. I believe I saw it quoted in in US dollars at the time, but I don't know. Okay, then I'm gonna say a hundred thousand euro, which is like a hundred and seventy thousand US yeah. dollars. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure euro is higher than the USD. Am I am I off on that? It's got yeah, yeah, yeah. USD. Yeah, it is. Okay, I have it in euros, so you guys do the math. I defer yeah. you three on that. Okay. Yeah, I'm, hit, I'm hit sticking. With, Did you guess, it? Brendan? What was your What was your number? One dollar more than Eric's guess. Okay. Well, the top one, while Solani is in the top four, he's not number one. Wow. He had a forty thousand uh, dollar, forty thousand euro fine. Oh, that's like way too low. Rasmus Ristolainen in two thousand and nineteen <laughs> had a one hundred and twenty thousand euro fine. For that's speed. like. $90,000 or something? No. no other way okay. More dollars. Oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like 160 or 170. The guy, and, and I'm pretty sure at that time he was making like $3 million. Like that's like a significant amount of your salary. That's not nothing. Especially like you're making $300 million pre-tax, right? Yeah. Isn't Finland like a pretty socialist state? Yeah. The other two on the list, uh, Sasha Barkov, 46,000 euro at number two. And then at number four under Timu was uh, Komarov for 35,000 euro. Okay, I got my, I got a little like Tony's tantrum here about uh, penalties in the NFL really quick. Yeah. Um, so I feel like the point of flags, the point of penalties 
is to create a situation where it is more advantageous as a player to uh, let the shitty thing that's going to happen in the play happen than to take the penalty. The penalty should be a bigger punishment than if you didn't hold or if you didn't PI or whatever most of the time. There are going to be exceptions to this, but most of the time. And I think most offensive penalties are actually, are, are in more situations than not beneficial to take the penalty. So I'll give you an example. Defensive penalties, if you get a defensive holding call, it's a five-yard penalty and it's an automatic first down every single time. The first down is absolutely huge if that play occurs on third down. Meanwhile, an offensive penalty, most offensive holding happens when the quarterback is about to get sacked or when a running back like rips off a pretty large game that would have been a tackle in the backfield. So tackle in the backfield or a sack usually is like, you know, three to seven yard loss and a loss of down. Now with the holding penalty, you get a 10 yard loss, but you get the down back. And with modern offenses, you're probably going to make up that ground before you get to second down. And so as an offensive lineman, if my quarterback's about to get sacked, I'm going to hook an arm around that defensive lineman every single time. So I think if you're taking a holding penalty on offense, you should lose a down. Frankly, almost every offensive penalty should come with loss of down. Offensive PI should be a loss of down. Wow, that's that's very harsh. That was not worth that you were going with that. I think holding is subjective and hard enough to call that like every expert seems to agree that you could throw it on like every play. They only do it if it's like, I don't know, overtly egregious. So I feel like that might have to be worked into your overall theory, but I'm here for it. Like I get what you're saying because of especially I'm assuming the other, the other point that you're talking about is on defense, like a deep PI call is like 94 yards just because the guy didn't catch it and someone made him trip or something like that. And so mm-hmm. I'm yeah, here I think for like it. Defensive PI does a good job of replicating what would have happened if they didn't mm-hmm. tackle. Like yeah. defensive PI is assumption that if you didn't PI if you didn't commit PI, they would have caught it and you would have tackled them right there. Like that's basically what you're getting there. And so then you still commit the foul intentionally on purpose if you don't think you'll be able to tackle them and they're going to run to the end zone and score. But otherwise, like, you know, you tackle them. Whereas right. with offense, offensive PI, the opposite is not true. Like if you're about to get picked off, you just tackle the DB and all you do is lose 10 yards. You don't even lose the down. You get to do it again. Like if and then you're on, Collingsworth you know, praises you for your like game awareness. Yeah. You know, actually, Eric, this reminds me in, this is so interesting in our touch football league that we play in offensive PI. Um, what is the rule? There is a turnover. Cause I remember um, there's like either a judgment call or if it occurs in the end zone or something, it's not perfect, but essentially offensive PI in a position where like the looked like it was going to be a turnover, the, the referee actually has the ability to like award the interception. Mm. Um, it happened to me. I, it, I was on defense and the guy clearly just shoved me in the back and the ref like awarded the interception, which I thought was just like a fascinating rule. And I was like, okay, this makes <laughs> a lot of sense. Now I will say that to for your theory to work, you have to like the calls have to be objectively correct every time. That's exactly where I was going to go is I think that the more punishing your penalties are, the more you need to emphasize the correct call every time, which you already said like you're in favor of. Well, I mean, I don't actually, I I agree with you. Like 
But I think that right now penalties are really punishing on defenses and not really punishing on offenses. A defensive holding giving you an automatic first down is humongous. Or like if a deep, if a defender gets called for taunting, it's 15 yard penalty and an automatic first down. If an offensive player gets fouled for taunting, it's a 15 yard penalty. Like, and if an offensive player runs for a first down and then taunts, they get 15 yard penalty, but they still get first and 10. They don't get first and 25. Like it well, almost how, doesn't hurt them. How would you feel about like as, as a way to ease into that, like abolishing the automatic first down? I was just like going to say, the- I never understood that, that to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'd go that way too. That would be fine with me as well. Cause that would make sense. Right. Cause it's, like, if you're going to get like a 15 yard, like taunting penalty, but you're second and 17. Okay. Well now you're second mm-hmm. two. Yep. 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 Or, you know, if it's third, if it's like third and 10, and you get like a defensive holding penalty. Um, okay, it's not an automatic first down, but now it's third and five. Like that, that feels way more fair. I don't me. know if that does though, because that's the can of worms. Because then it goes the exact same thing Eric's saying. If you're the cornerback and you get beat on a seven yard out, you may as well hold the guy because you know he's only getting five yards. Yeah, and then you have to play defense again. So, but shorter. Now you're playing on third and so two. So it's third and two instead of first and 10. Which would you prefer as an NFL coach? Yeah, you're going to prefer the third in a defensive coach. You're going to prefer the third two. Yeah, so well, it's, a, it's the same yeah. argument once you go that way with it a little bit, but double that. I mean, also, you're making the assumption that in the heat of the moment, this guy's able to an- uh, analyze what's going to happen and think, I should foul this guy. In 10 in years, if that's the rule, a millionth of a second. I, I just don't see how that, they're playing defense. They're trying to play proper defense. They're not like making these judgments. I, d- I completely disagree. If in 10 years, this has been a rule, these kids are going to be drilled into them on third and 10. If they go past the sticks, hit them. Like that's I, I agree with Kevin here. I think like continually amazed with uh, football players. I, I mean, it comes with football players because oh, it's out, super obvious. Out. Like it's so obvious, like the things that are just drilled into them that they can do like instinctually, like the obvious one is like running back or wide receivers with the toe drag where they're able to keep their toes inbounds on like the most ridiculous things because it's clearly just like hammered into them that no matter what you do if you think you're near the ends or the near the sidelines and you're going up for a pass like drop your feet and drag your toes like as hard as you can yeah but like you're making the but you still have to play deep like as a defensive coach i'm not gonna take uh, you're not just gonna allow your guys to take five-yard penalties i'm sorry anthony i completely disagree I completely disagree because you're like, I mean, if you're going to look at. So your options are take the penalty or give up a first down. How about the third option, which is you play proper defense and then they punt on fourth down. Like you're not talking about the NFL when you know you're totally burned. They already do this with existing rules. Like you guys are acting like this isn't like an approach they already take. They they change the way you hit guys in a split second. They change Mm -hmm. the hit box. Like it's, it's not a revolutionary thing to do. And in five years, it won't be a second thought. It's why we're all outraged that Justin Fields didn't get the flags he should have on Monday night because <laughs> 10 years ago, none of those are penalties and we're not all in agreement. They're a thing, but it's been drilled out of us and the audience and the players. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the, the automatic first down rule has to, has to stay in then for that reason. He lost me. Did it? On it some things. No, on, some on things. all things. Cause you can no. make that. Yeah. Well, what, what would not have an automatic first down then? The other example that I gave, if you're on second and 17, you get a taunting penalty. You don't get an automatic first down. Okay, well, that's sure. That should be a dead ball, dead ball penalty anyway, so I agree with that. Mm-hmm. 
but every other every other live ball scenario has to have an automatic first down then with that logic with second and 17 the guy runs like a 10 yard out and you foul him and then it goes to second and, and sure whatever but then you can't like that i mean now you're starting to make like judgments so i think i think then maybe that's the reason they have the automatic first down rule to begin with I don't well, know, and so this goes back to what I'm saying. Of you have the automatic first down rule because you're on defense and you're committing a penalty to stop your team from giving up a big game. So right. when you're committing a penalty on offense, it's to stop your team from losing yards and a down. If you yeah. just let the play go. And so you should lose yards from the penalty and a down. I, I would I be okay to... with losing the down, actually. I would be okay with that. I wonder, like, the NBA has clearly, like, run down this like line of thinking so many times where it's like basically a bad idea to play defense and you're better just to let the person score quickly and then go score yourself. Like it's such like, it's such a like offensive advantage that like they clearly bios their rules for like exciting basketball games where they don't want these like, you know, 36 to 42 like defensive battles. Do you think that that's like the case in the NFL? They just haven't got like that the whole way there yet. And they're like, like, intentionally or not want to bias it for more offense happening oh it's not it's not unintentional they've been doing that for the past decade i feel like every rule change favors the offense you're not wrong but on the basketball front they've actually changed the rule in the nba this year that you can't overtly draw the defender into Mm -hmm. a big shot and then lean into it it's why james harden is a replacement level level player at this point Um, (laughs) that's that's strong but it, it is pretty funny to see what he's doing I mean, um, but exactly what you're saying, Brendan, is they've taken that. They said, okay, this isn't good that our play stops every 30 seconds because some guy fakes another guy, pretends he was going to shoot, and now he gets to shoot two free throws. Mm-hmm. I like, I, yeah, they, they very well may have, like, I mean, I don't watch it a lot of NBA because I find it fucking as boring as watching paint dry because of this. Like, it's just which is why they changed that rule. Yeah. And like, maybe they realize that they have. Uh, overcompensated and are starting to draw it back in but like you know especially like watching um like uh march madness which i do watch a fair amount of every year and it's a lot more exciting and the officiating is like noticeably different and it's not only just because you know the kids have a lot more like skin in the game i actually think that march madness is more interesting because the percentage of uh the average player's percentage from three point is worse and that's what makes it more interesting. The reason the NBA has gotten less interesting is not actually because they've changed rules to make defense harder to play. It's because the like Daryl Morey generation of, hey, we figured out that it's actually a higher percentage to shoot threes at 40% every time than it ever is to shoot anything outside of like five feet means that we just jack up threes constantly for the entire game. And so you get high scores and it's really boring. And that's because when you're an NBA player, uh, you can hit 10 three-pointers in a row when there's nobody guarding you. Whereas in college, when you're when you're in college, like most teams have two guys that can do that, but they don't have eight guys that can do that. So you're saying if you score fifty percent more every time you shoot the ball than the other team, you're gonna do better. Uh, yeah, that's correct. Never should have put the three point line in. You gotta get rid of that thing. Mm-hmm. Go back to old school, post them up basketball. Two points, two points. Here we go. Or back <laughs> it up. I mean, I'd be here for that. Yeah, or back it up. Yeah. I'd be really interested in a league where, like, people are taking, like, comical, like, you know, high schooler from the halfway point running. That's the NBA, man. Like, that is the NBA right But it's not. Like, you can shoot, like, a reasonably, like, 
well-formed shot from the three. I mean, I think you can. Like, I've... Well, Dame Lillard can shoot a reasonably well-formed shot from before half-court. Okay. I actually, <laughs> yeah. I'll send you an article after this. There's a really, really good case to make that the best way to deal with this is actually to move the three-point line closer, not farther away, because it encourages the offense to be closer in towards the basket, which makes it easier to play defense. Yeah. Oh, That's interesting. That. That's really interesting. Oh man, I don't, I you know, I like that idea in principle, but like one of the things I loved about uh, basketball is especially specifically what you're saying about like the March Madness. It's like the, it's the highest level of basketball that you can actually have different tactics. It's kind of like what Eric's saying about, as opposed to just shooting threes. Like if you got two big guys that can dominate and they're 22 years old and they're going to ball out, fucking give them the rock. If you got three kids that can shoot outside and you're from BYU, and you got a guy who can drop 40, let him go. Like, That's a, yeah, see how like, far he can get you. Those, like, you know, Utah State or whatever, they got the big white guys. They're just playing, like, good, you know, fake a pass like, to make a pass, two-foot jump stop, white man basketball, and they go, they do well. One of the oldest tropes in basketball is that Syracuse runs a 2-3 zone defense, and they do it every fucking year. And when they're really good, they do it incredibly well because they got a bunch of kids that are 6-7 and athletic. And when they're not very good, it's because they got a bunch of 6-foot-5 kids that aren't so athletic. And I just I just find it interesting. It's, it's great. It's one of my favorite sporting events of the year, actually, to watch. I love March Madness. Always in for a March Madness school. Um. We're getting like close to an hour here. Do we want to run through some matchups? Go back to our uh, bread and butter here. Anyone else have anything they want to air their grievances of? Eric looks like talk he's about, fired up. Do we want to talk about last week at all or no? I mean, other than Tony losing, is there really anything else worth highlighting? Uh, I have a question. Uh, I'm just going to throw this out there. Sherry, I can respond in a comment offline. I just want to know what was a bigger win for Sherry this week? Was it beating Anthony or was it climbing to 13th in points for? <laughs> Got <laughs> the courage to say it there. Wow. Proud of you. <clears throat> Am I 14th now? Yeah. By five <laughs> points. Yeah, well, as they say, better lucky than good. Or as I say. Um I don't I know, Kevin, is, say, there, is there anything you want to highlight about um Yeah, I will. I will. Um I got tossed a bit of a shitty hand with um after eric and i publicly defending aaron Rodgers last week <laughs> and and then him coming out and making a, a complete ass of himself this week and then so i missed him here and i i lost by 7.1 points oh, did no. any of you watch did any of you watch the vikings game no no adam thielen had a very very obvious offensive pass interference fade catch for his second catch of the game. He had one catch for one yard and he had a five yard touchdown catch. So touchdown plus mm-hmm. a reception plus five yards is seven points. You know what else is seven points? What? The difference between Jordan Love and Tyrod Taylor's fantasy points for last week. Nah, that sounds about Oh. Just saying, you could have had it all. I, I couldn't have actually, because Mike Kosicki would have fucked me and I would have had a tight end. So that's an ad hominem at best. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is definitely at your hominem, yes. <laughs> so, Eric, are you trying to look up the Adam Thielen touchdown? Because it was bad. It was very obvious. I watched it with Anthony and he said it at the time too. And I don't love it. 
They needed uh, Eric's but... booth guy to buzz down and be like, offensive PI, no questions asked. Let's mm-hmm. move on now. Throw the flag. It was very obvious, and I will go to my death saying. 10-yard penalty, loss of down. Change and that's down. why I lost. Despite all of all of the hurdles I was thrown this week, NFL refing fucked me twice with Bears and with Adam Thielen. So I'm good for this week. Thanks. Okay. I know you want to move on, Brendan, but I now have to like try to one-up Kevin in terms of how fucked I got this week and losing. <laughs> no, by all means, please. Okay. So Monday night, I needed Deontay Johnson to score fewer than 7.7 fantasy points or something like this. With six minutes left in the game, the, uh, the Steelers are up 10 and Deontay Johnson still needs another three in order for James to beat me. They're up by 10, and the Bears are punting to the Steelers, and the Steelers somehow fumble the, fumble the punt return. All they have to do is, like, fair catch and then run the ball for the next six minutes, and they win the game. Fumble it, gets returned for a touchdown. The next drive, they manage to not burn enough clock and just kick a field goal, which then means the Bears have, like, two and a half minutes left to score a touchdown. I'm still thinking, okay, I'm probably fine you know, worst case scenario, maybe they score the touchdown, but like, there's not that much time left. And somehow all the stars align for the bears to march down the field in fashion that the bears haven't done in 25 years of me (laughs) watching football and (laughs) score a touchdown to a guy who's on my bench. Hasn't been good all year, scores his second touchdown of the week uh, and leaves like, leaves like a minute and a half left on, on the field for Ben Roethlisberger to march down and throw a 30-yard pass to Deontay Johnson for me to win the game. Wow. And so you start to lose the game. Lose Sounds the game like the by, point, by point nine points to James, which is big Benny Bowl implications too, which we'll get into is. later on. Yeah. And that's not even the narrowest defeat of the uh of the week. Oh, big week. Lots of lots of close games coming into Monday. Okay, let's do it. Let's move on to um, matchups for week 10. Um, I want to, what do you guys think about doing a quick, like, one sentence, like, just give me your, give me your hot take? Or do you want to, do you want to dwell on some of these? Is there anything like exciting to you? I'm not in a rush. I don't think our listeners are. (laughs) Which ones? (laughs) (laughs) All right, Tyler, Tyler enjoys a five-star runtime. So let's keep it going. All right, let's let's dive right into it then. Uh, first, as always, is myself up against uh, the old dead team walking here with Kyle. Uh, feeling feeling pretty good, to be honest. Um, notably, Kyle does have a tight end on by, but it's a Giants tight end. So, are they even really there? And we both, we both have Browns running backs on COVID designations. <laughs> yeah, there's a chance. So Nick Chubb, unlike Aaron Rodgers, did the, didn't do his own research and got a vaccine. So there's a chance he'll make it back. <laughs> I would say a pretty good chance, actually. If I were you, I'd count on Nick Chubb playing this weekend. I, I am counting and hoping and praying. Also was I like see hair away from trading Nick Chubb too harsh last week. So mm. a little sad that didn't work out. 
Uh, I want to say uh, Got Any Grapes. Excellent nickname for Jalen Waddle. Do you, do you get that reference? I wasn't sure if anyone yeah. else knew what that song was. I, I did a, I ran a summer camp for 10 year olds one summer and mm. I'm very familiar with the duck song. Mm. I will yeah. save everyone else from having to experience that song because it is the worst. Yeah, waddle, waddle, waddle. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm taking myself, not even a surprise at this point. I don't think yeah. there's much controversy. Taking Kyle. He's got DeAndre Swift coming back, and um, his team's going to rally behind something. I'm not sure what. But... <laughs> <laughs> <I'm>... <laughs> it's fantasy football. We just talked about how it doesn't matter, so here we go. Is this in just the bathroom? like... Hmm? Are you in the bathroom? No, you no. can see his toilet in a video. I can't. <laughs> um, oh, it's dark. Is this just like the chickens coming home from me talking shit about you losing this week, Tony? Or do you actually believe? Uh, I, I guess what uh, remains to be seen. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Eric, which way are you going? I noticed you also have a kicker on the COVID list. Um, any news on the vaccination status of a white guy in Texas? Greg Zerlin got <laughs> kicker? Oh, no, Greg. Oh, no. Uh, I'm going with you, though. I think when I when I look at it position by position, there's not a lot of advantages here for Kyle other than maybe A.J. Brown. Well, not maybe. Definitely A.J. Brown. But the other ones are toss-ups at best. Uh, Kevin. Yeah, I'm going to take you, too. I don't have much analysis to add to what those guys said. You can, you can take me anytime there, big guy. What? Thanks, man. All right, moving on. Um, what do we got next? Um, oh, oh no, wait. I'm on week nine. We're going to edit this all out. Eric, even split against uh, Brandon. Uh, what's the buy watch? Like, Russell Wilson rostered for Eric. I'm just rostered in the starting lineup. This is the beginning of the Russell Wilson MVP hill climb. Currently, the Seahawks out of a playoff spot. This is just ripe for Russell Wilson and his middle finger to come back and dominate the league for the next six weeks. He's going to throw at least three touchdowns to DK Metcalf this week. And uh, this is where the stack comes home and brings me home a championship. This is the beginning. Mark my words. It's happening. Let's pray for three and six. I think it's interesting that Corderell Patterson is projected for 12 points and has not scored less than 12 points all year. Mm-hmm. Week one. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Dallas, not a spectacular defense. Uh, they're pretty good, but you can't stop Corderell. So it sucked last week. Um. <laughs> <laughs> They did. They were awful. Trevon Diggs got burned for like two bad penalties and the 40 like yard touchdown. It was embarrassing. So I'm mad at Eric. So I'm so I'm taking Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm taking Eric, but only on the assumption that Russ has completed his recovery and Metcalf is gonna have a good game, Russ is gonna have a good game, and Kelsey's gonna have a good game because um, Mahomes has figured his shit out and has decided to play football again. Didn't you watch his recovery like uh, montage? He's yeah, fine. Well, yeah, he's fine. You know him and him and Better Jesus have worked his things out. 
and uh, they're good to go. Do you think I will be uh, he got Odell Beckham's dad to edit that video for him? <laughs> <laughs> what? Are, oh, let's let's come back to that. Let's come back to OBJ. I actually want to want to come back to that. Sorry, I'm taking Brandon. He's one of three teams in the league that actually is in quadruple digits for points for. Um, so I'm just gonna stake my money on that fact. Over under two and a half touchdowns for James Conner next week to keep that number up for Brandon. Well, he doesn't. He doesn't get to play the 49ers, so I don't know. Might not be. Not might. Might not be another three touchdowns for him. Eric, you taking yourself? I am. I will say Brandon's team is very good, and he deserves a better record than he has. But I hope that he's four and six after this week. <laughs> All right, <laughs> moving on. That's strong. We got Shar against Jay. Shar uh, coming off probably a highlight of the season week, and Jay uh, the exact opposite. I unashamedly stole a W from him. Yeah, you and did. will be the first to admit it. Uh, I also don't regret it. Uh, but looking to bounce back, um, and looking pretty favored at like a solid seventy-five percent to win according to Sleeper, with. Um, no real buys on uh, um, oh no some buys it's interesting that he has he's so favored to win and he hasn't even put Tom Brady back in his lineup yet yeah so Jimmy G in his lineup here what's this Dalvin thing this is him being he was accused he's the victim of but but the sleeper says he's accused of this, so he's mm-hmm. not the victim. He is the victimizer. Yeah. The original report came out said he was the victim, and then it's all now it's just all a bungle fuck. So I don't. Oh, know. here we go. So it seems like regardless of who's wrong here, which is likely him, to be honest, it won't resolve by Sunday. You mean like he's playing Sunday? Yeah. Yeah, of course he's playing Sunday. Don't get your hopes up. <laughs> I don't know about that. Like, I wouldn't be so sure about that, to be honest with you, the way that things have gone. Like, Trevor Bauer earlier in the year was expected to play and MLB stepped in. You know, these things, it just broke today. So, like, you get another 24-hour news cycle on this and we might be talking about Dalvin Cook, Commissioner. When is the last time that the NFL stepped in to stop a player from playing? Uh, Tyreek Hill, probably. Didn't, I think that they didn't they aren't they, stepping on Deshaun Watson because the Texans aren't tr- trying to play him. I yeah. strongly believe if they were trying to play him, the NFL would step in. Dalvin Kick already, Dalvin Cook already did kick the shit out of a girlfriend or something when he was in college. Really? I didn't hear that. I, did, I don't know about that. I did not hear about that. Um. What is libel? Libel is written or said slander. I know what libel is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I clearly missed the reference here. Uh, okay, so Dalvin Cook, during his freshman year at FSU, was involved in off field incidents on three occasions. He was charged with oh, criminal cool. mischief uh, after a June BB gun incident that resulted in broken car windows. 
He was named an associate in an assault case of two men the Tallahassee police investigated for allegedly brandishing a firearm at a neighbor. And the summer before his sophomore year, Cook was accused of punching a woman outside a Tallahassee bar. I take that back, Brennan. I didn't get the reference either. Brennan, did I, you like know that or did you mistake him for someone else and it just happened that, you know, most NFL yeah, I never heard that hit someone? I <laughs> know uh, I looked this up this morning or this oh, afternoon okay. because I heard I because I sleeper sent me the notification that was like Dalvin the the wording made it sound like he was the victim and not the abuser. And I was like, that's kind of strange. And so I tried to Google it. And when you search Dalvin Cook abuse, you get all of those past things because the news had barely broke about uh, so yeah no i didn't know that until you know 4 p.m today i was like here you are like saying like i don't have a lot of nfl knowledge like you guys yeah. and just like sandbag and delve <laughs> sorry i i 100 take my life back. It, it absolutely does not apply <laughs> um yeah, unless it's the vaccination status of various NFL players, I don't know that. You said much. you didn't want to go there. You said you didn't want to go. There. <laughs> um, I'm taking Jay. I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, he's got Brady coming back. I think Dalvin Cook is playing, and his team is really good. And I feel very lucky to have stolen a win from him. I agree. I think, frankly, even if Dalvin Cook doesn't play, he just shuffles Williams up into his RB slot and puts uh, a very terrible DeAndre Hopkins into that flex spot. So I don't imagine. This just worse. How would it be fun to play a Survivor League with our fantasy teams next no. year? No. Mm. It's a crapshoot. Mm. This is way yeah, a, so, a survivor. So you're playing like a survivor, but you have to pick a fantasy team to win each week. No. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, Kevin, who's going to win? Char J. Sherry, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm also picking Sherry. It, it's it has to be. It, it just has to be. Yeah, it's going to happen. All right. Fair enough um moving on we've got tony back up uh well favored 80 percent to win over kenny um kevin paint me a word picture how is kenny gonna overcome this adversity and win what adversity he's facing a team on a one loss skid <laughs> um he gets James Robinson back. Apparently, Adam Thielen is immune to offensive PI penalties, so he can catch as many touchdowns as he wants. Um, Chris Godwin's very good. Pat Fryermuth looks like a player. Actually, I'm worried for Anthony this week. I'm, uh, I'm taking Kenny. And as I have all this back season, and I've been right, and he fucked me last week. You know what? Adam Thielen fucked me last week. But anyways, Kenny. <laughs> as, as we were talking – Tony switched Baker Mayfield out for Kyler Murray. Is he coming back for sure? I assume so. I, I mean, I think this was precautionary. I think it was, if it was like a playoff game, he would have played. Um, so, I mean, I hope so. Is next week a playoff game? I don't know. You can figure that one out, Kevin. Oh, so is, <laughs> so why would he play? I, I, I actually think a bigger storyline out of the weekend that no one's talking about is whether Kyler Murray is a systems quarterback or not. 
Okay. Anyway, so um, <laughs> no takers, no takers on that one. I really like my chances for a number of reasons. One, James Robinson, I think, is might miss another game, which is um, why is oh, that? No, no, and should be able to play Week Ten. Okay, yeah. he's coming back hurt. Okay, but uh, Barkley is on bye, which is uh, is always nice, um, and so is Jamar Chase, which is also always nice and when i look at our lineups like i would say i have like a gigantic edge at running back wide receivers are pretty even and i would take fournette over beasley in the flex every day of the week so i'm gonna take myself i'm taking tony i don't like it but like i just look at kenny's team and i'm not excited i mean it starts with matt stafford i just i cannot do anything but sad when i look at matt stafford why and that's another problem it's for kenny just... is that He's thrown to Cooper Cup, so you know it's not good. Eric could be, could be a big Bobby Trees week this week. Matt Stafford could still still score a lot of points. Um, I'm basically placing all of my spiritual hopes and beliefs on Kenny here. In that, I mean, if there's a god, Kenny will win. <laughs> his, his team name is Chirp by SSFL Pod Weekly. I think we all know that that means Chirp by Anthony on the SSFL Pod Weekly. It just wouldn't fit. <laughs> in the team name list or in the team name text box. But uh, does anybody know, is Clyde Edwards-Alaire coming back this week? I know he's scheduled to come back from IR. Could make a little difference here. Also, I think as part of the like poetic justice, James Robinson needs to have two 20-point weeks this week. Um, <laughs> about a 40-burger. <laughs> be no better place. That's There's no question about that. Okay, we got a good even split between Kenny and Tony. Um, moving on, we got James and Mike, battle of the four and fives. Uh, James with a healthy 63% favorite. Uh, Mike starting a full lineup, so that's a good start. Uh, Scary Terry looking big on the bench. Was he on by last week? Yeah. yeah. So he gets to upgrade from... Randall Cobb, that's a pretty big upgrade. Mike will be making um, an even bigger upgrade this week as uh, the Ezekiel Elliott deal draws closer and closer. So he may be slotting in Mike Evans and Leonard Fournette into his lineup. Is that you picking up Ezekiel Elliott? Uh, I'm just, it's not relevant right now. I'm just saying that his lineup could, could change. Just, well, just can, some, can somebody tell Mike that trading for a running back and a wide receiver from the same team is not a good idea? I already like, did. Not, I already team. told him. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Um, just, just to be clear, Brendan, I will be taking the team um, owned by Mike that has uh, at least 50 more points scored than you do on the season, despite all of your disparaging remarks. <laughs> My disparaging remarks? <laughs> you are calling out his ability to start a lineup. He's beating you by 50 on the season <laughs> historically he hasn't started a full lineup more often than most historically over the last nine weeks hey my lineup's been there they've just not performed what's worse i guess is my point fair enough yeah okay i'll take mark josh allen due for a bounce back week against the jets I'm going to also take Mike, but just because James has been running so bad all year, I just, I feel like it's got to keep going. James has won, James has won four or five. 
he's he's had some unfortunate hot. unfortunate losses. Um, I got a sneaky sleeper pick. James can make playoffs this year. That's okay. My, okay. My prediction. Certainly, and I think. Jonathan Taylor is going to be, we're looking at him as like fantasy MVP at the end of the year. He's got Jacksonville again. So that's another, all right, got Jacksonville this week. That's another 30 point game. Uh, I have a question for Anthony though. Is Brandon Ayuk's last week performance a flash in the pan or a sign of things to come? I'll let you know after I trade for him. (laughs) (laughs) I think that is an endorsement in and of itself, maybe. Anyway, I'm taking James. Tony. I'm taking Mike in his new and improved roster. (laughs) <laughs> no no bias whatsoever in that he doesn't call. listen it's not going to help the negotiations <laughs> i know <laughs> <laughs> all right next up we got tyler against the great depression harsh Oof. tyler currently sitting at a five percent win chance um with burrow on by and that's it Oof. Is this a four? Yeah, it's four losses in a row for yeah, Harsh. Isn't can it? we all yeah. just take a minute to appreciate how rough Harsh has had it in the last four weeks? It's been a great depression. That has been it's, been tough. It's uh, I feel bad for the guy. He's got a good team. They got decimated by industry injuries and then just got unlucky too. CMC's he's done. Back. He's done though. He's toast. Like he's not sniffing the playoffs, and I think we all know it. <laughs> <laughs> He is. Look at his team. He's fallen like a stone. Now he's like he's lost his leg up. He's in the in the division that has like the better teams. Like I I don't if I'm harsh I feel terrible. I'm in a great depression. And, and, sure. and what's interesting is that uh, Tyler Clark is just plugging along at um, at five and four, right? Which yep. is yeah. I really lost to him. Interesting. So I think this is really just indicative of how much better one division is than the other. We just came out of all of the interdivisional games, and one division has a lot of good records, and one division has a lot of bad records. <laughs> I didn't realize. Are we heading in? Oh, we are heading into the divisional games again. Yeah, I this is where it gets spicy. This is, wow, we're entering. Wow, it's happening. We're in the, the back half of the season. We're going to start uh, diving into some, like, bracketology and some, like, what ifs yeah it's a pretty, couple weeks away yeah 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 this is why i uh still feel like i might have a chance because we're getting into division weeks and i'm still 2-0 in the division despite everything else that's happened and uh if i lose this week we're probably going to start rebuilding for next year but, uh... <laughs> well i mean kevin was talking shit about me just doing what the experts say and i am going to fold to that completely and take our share i'm uh yeah I got nothing much to add to that. Eric, convince me otherwise. Uh, I really look at Tyler's team and think his team is pretty good, to be honest. I don't really think losing Joe Burrow is that big of a deal. You can stream a quarterback that is likely to score as many points as Joe Burrow. I think Tyler made a big mistake this week in changing Olomide Zacchaeus' nickname away from Olomidic because it was one of the better <laughs> nicknames. <laughs> Uh, but I'm still going to take Tyler despite the gaff. Okay. Uh, Tony. Um, I'm going to take Tyler. I think he's due to, I think by due, I mean, James is actually due for a little bit of a letdown here. And, uh, yeah. Last, uh, Kevin. Quite harsh, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, I meant, fuck it. I'm taking Tyler. 
<laughs> one way or another. Too busy watching sure the right game. Too busy I'm watching actually Jeff Probst in the background. I'm going to take Harsh in a walk, like over 25 point win here. Lock it up. Um, Justin Herbert and uh, Mike Michael, uh, what's his dick? I dropped him. Mike Williams. He, um, they haven't really connected in a couple weeks. I think he could go off. Um, I'm curious about how they use McCaffrey because it could be a shootout with Arizona. And um, yeah, I, uh, I if, if McCaffrey's back, like actually being McCaffrey, I think Harsh is like okay. And if he's not, he's not. So I'm going to bet on him being okay. Mm, that's interesting. That's actually what I was looking at was I'm looking at Harsh's team depends a lot on the Carolina offense scoring points. And I could very much see them go into Arizona this week and lose 30 to three. So really? Yeah. yeah, it depends. Yeah. Okay. Uh, last but not least, we got Kevin up against Dion and some dire, dire straits for Kevin, but also some play, some positions to improve on. Uh, Kevin, how are you gonna how are you gonna secure a W this week? I don't know. I hope Dion makes a bunch of trades. Um, <laughs> Does it start with a different quarterback? Maybe one that li- rhymes with Schmord and Schmuv? No. Um, I mean, if Rogers doesn't play this week, I'm fucked anyways. Like he's, he's already screwed me last week. Um, and I'm pretty much viewing it that way. If he plays, I feel fine because there's nothing else I can do. He's missing his RB one, which is Joe Mixon. And that's, that's lucky for me to be getting him at that point. But I can also see Prescott going off on Atlanta after a dog shit performance at, uh, it would be very cow. It would be very Dion for his Cowboys to fuck me one week and then just get me even worse the next week. So like I'm fully preparing myself for the Prescott, but I mean, that's the only way, like I, I, if, if Rogers plays, I feel fine unless Prescott goes off. It's sort of, Mm. sort of how I view it, but that's me. Well, we've got our episode title, if nothing else. Um, This is interesting. Now we've got two, teams that may be fighting for quarterbacks on the waivers in Kevin and someone else that we talked about earlier. No, you're Aaron Rodgers or nothing. I'm I'm riding with Rodgers. Are you kidding me? The Packers just played paid $300,000 in fines. You think he's not playing next week after getting their fucking other quarterback embarrassed in Kansas city? You're telling me with you're telling me someone's pissing on a stick in green Bay and Aaron's playing. You're telling me with a straight face, (laughs) you are not taking a contingency plan and picking up, a quarterback tonight at midnight? No chance. I'm holding on to Tyrod until you come crawling back and you're not allowed to have Tyrod's him. on a bye. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to. So he, he was trying I'm, to ship him to me for the week that uh, Patty's on a bye. You mean when they're playing the Jets and he's back and healthy? I'm holding on to him. Fuck you, Brendan. It's your fault. <laughs> yeah, you, you got me good here with your 3% win chance. Yeah, I also don't have a quarterback in there. And again, rankings for two in a row. Okay. I I sincerely hope that Rogers plays for you. Do you? Yeah. I'd love oh, to okay. see Dion lose. No, that's well, no, I'd love to see Dion lose. Yeah, I would. Sounds like a bit of a Sophie's choice for you right now, I'll be honest. <laughs> he's not he's not listening anyway. I've I've talked enough shit about him, so you know, yeah. That's fair. Uh I gotta take Dion. Kevin? <laughs> Kevin, do you have any, any faith here? Are you taking yourself? Oh, yeah, I'm taking myself. Yeah, that's the spirit. Eric? Um, sorry, go ahead, Eric. 
Uh, I'm going to take Dion, or sorry, I'm going to take Kevin because I think Dion's a bigger threat in the division. Oh, oh the old win-win. Uh... Please go back and take me and not say that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I was actually just going to take Dion on the basis that I don't like Kevin's team this week. But actually, I don't really like Dion's team either. Like, so with mixing on by. So I think if Rogers comes back, which I agree with Kevin, he, he's playing this week. Um, mm-hmm. Could be a big uh, Adam. Oh, and they're playing the Seahawks. I can't stop anyone. Oh, yeah, I'm taking Kevin. This could be 50 points combined from Rogers and Adams this week. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I agree. It's likely that Aaron Rodgers plays this week. I also just think it's absurd to spite hold a quarterback on by instead of picking up a backup quarterback just in case <laughs> especially when you know that there is a at least one other team that is gunning for a backup quarterback do you want to talk about spite holding why were you holding love you're not going to start him over Mahomes. that's like the most <laughs> ridiculous comment i've ever heard in my life that's exactly why you had him last week I picked tell him me up. I'm wrong. Tell me no, I'm wrong. I, I 100% picked him up so that I could trade him to you and make a bit out of it on the, the podcast. That's spite holding. It's just fancy words to say it. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I tried to give you to him for a fair price. Anyone going to help me out here? Like, is it going to be the French Revolution? Like, are we going to do it from below? Because this is, this is the worst. I thought we were doing it from it on top. Uh, oh, nice. I don't know. Mahomes hasn't been that good. Maybe wanted to see what uh, what Love had in mind. You know, they do have different bye weeks. Yeah, yeah. Jordan Love's gonna put up zero points from the bench. No, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Spite holding. What a silly comment. Okay, well, I, I sure hope Aaron Rodgers plays this week. I really do. I'll make the bet right now that if Tyrod Taylor is healthy, he scores over 20 points the week that he's on my bench in week uh, 12 during your bye. And I'll sure. double down and say he'll bet put up more than whatever stupid quarterback you play. <laughs> Speaking of bets, I actually answer have a bet. What? What are the terms? Of Maybe answer it. I just told you. Okay, sure. Double the points of whatever quarterback I pick. No. Double oh, so down. Double down. Yeah. More points than we we'll ever quarterback. I'll bet you a shotgun that the week that I'm holding Tyrod out of spite because of what you did to me with Jordan Love, <laughs> and he will score at least 20 points. If that happens, you shotgun. If it also is more than the whatever stupid-ass Case Keenum-looking motherfucker you play in your quarterback position, you shotgun twice. If any of the two things that I just said do not happen, I shotgun each one that doesn't mm-hmm. happen. Does that make sense? It's a, little, it's a little parlay. Yeah. If it splits, do you just both shotgun? Is that Absolutely. Okay. I like that. That's a great bait. Yeah. 100%. You have, well, yeah, you like it. You're involved <laughs> in this. I mean, yeah. Okay. Let's, let's see this happen. Sure. Let's, uh, let's shake over the air here. I hope Tyrod's healthy because that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to break a leg or something next week. Um, speaking of shotguns, I actually do owe you all a shotgun for the bad quarterback draft. Uh, the Jets fucked me real, real hard. Two ways, six ways to Sunday. Um, we can go over and uh, Tony could take his victory lap because he won. F- 
five points from whatever butthole was on Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence, baby, he sucks. Yeah, Kevin actually with the overall lowest score uh, in Carolina, two points. Same Darnold? Yeah, before Same he got injured. Darnold. He got injured, actually. I probably should have checked who played against him. Mm. But it doesn't matter. It, I, I was so far out of first place that um, I will take my L, and I actually also don't have any beer in the house, so I will owe you a shotgun on the next draft or Sunday morning or the next um, podcast. I don't know about you guys, but I kind of feel like the shotguns are sort of like sandwich bets on the Around the NFL podcast. They're yeah, just they absolutely no one actually needs to eat a sandwich. <laughs> I, I'm yeah. absolutely shotgunning, and I'm going to hold you guys to the, the shotgun. Okay. I, right. I just think you guys need to step up and start making some because – some of us are sitting over there on the island acting like we got all these ideas, but we're not putting our shotguns <laughs> where our mouths are. I'm not naming names. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I've made a couple bets. I just haven't lost any of them until now. <laughs> That's a good answer. That's a good answer. <laughs> all right. Um, before we go, do we want to talk about what we're watching on Sunday? Anything else you want to cover? I'd talk about survivor picks, but I feel like we're kind of thin in that area now. Not that I can really talk shit because I haven't been raw. It's raw. Uh, I don't think we ever got to answer the question. Who is still in, alive in the Survivor League? Dion. Yeah. I think. Um, Amy's dad. And I don't know who the fourth person is. I have to look it up. I'm not sure who it is either. He's the only S4. I need to. Uh, I haven't actually locked in my pick yet. I'm so fucking mad at myself that I, I was on here talking about taking the Steelers and then I was like, oh, yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. I'm just going to, like, you know, go. Oh, oh, I get the Ravens. Uh, I haven't picked the Ravens yet on Thursday night. Thank you against the Dolphins. I was just going to say the Thursday night game, 6-2 and two Ravens uh, at the 2-7 and seven Dolphins. Monday night game, 7-2 and two Rams at the 3-5 and five somehow 49ers. Hey, don't talk shit about my can't tackle 49ers. <laughs> Um, what are we watching? Chiefs Raiders? Is that really the like the game? Uh-huh. It can't be. Um, it, Seahawks Packers is always yeah. That'll be the one. Out. That'll be like the game of the week, I think. Uh, Chiefs Raiders is a good one though. That's a good one. That's a divisional game, so that'll be it'll be good. Saints Titans. Yeah, that one's not just bad. looking at records like. That tight Titans are going to murder the Saints. They don't have a quarterback, and they got exposed for that against Atlanta. They got they and if Taysom Hill's not healthy, they have literally nothing. I know you. I know you hate Taysom Hill, but like he can gain four yards. Um, I think Vikings Chargers could be could be a, a good game if if the if the Vikings want to show up, mm-hmm. uh, but if they don't want to, it's not going to be a very good game. Okay. Cool. Um, I don't have much else. One little one thing, because I know we're, you know, we still got lots of time left in this pod. Um, <laughs> Another three hours easy. Always. With respect to the survivor pool, have you guys ever heard of a confidence pool and would you be interested in playing one next year? No, Never yes, heard of it. in that order. What brand? Okay. So a confidence pool, uh, Tony Kornheiser and Mike Wilbon talk with us on PTI all the time, if any of you ever listen. And the confidence pool is you actually have to pick every game every weekend and then you rank the games in order of how confident you are in your selection and then you get points 
based on how confident you are. So your most confident game, if there's 16 games that week and you get it correct, you get 16 points. If you get it wrong, you get negative 16 points. Oh my second God. most confident game, you get 15 points. Wow. Negative 15. I, so you're like, I'm yeah. into it. Um, that sounds like a lot of bookkeeping that I don't want to have to do. I'm super down. I don't think it would be that hard, actually. Because I can do it. Yeah. I mean, that sounds awesome. That yeah, sounds that like sounds combining, fun. like, yeah, it's, it's just straight up, too, right? Yeah. I, I feel like that's a big hole in my, like, uh, NFL like weekly consumption is like I want something to be able to sweat more like games where I don't have people playing in them Mm -hmm. and like Survivor is like kind of okay for that but like it kind of sucks then as soon as you're out that that goes away I like this Mm -hmm. like thing where you have to pick every week um speaking of picking things Tony have you kept up with your kicker bet at all okay we'll come back to that I'm curious we'll just edit this whole part out Abolish kickers. That's all. He's probably losing. Probably. Okay, let's call it then. Are you uh, sure? Well, do you have anything you want to talk about? No. You want to get mad at me some more? <laughs> I'm not mad at you. It's just fun. <laughs> <laughs> all right, boys. Let's wrap this up. At, at this point, at this point, Tyler's been listening for two hours, and he's sitting in his truck waiting for it to finish. He's got to piss so bad. He doesn't want to go inside until he's got a piece of goddamn bad. All right. <laughs> Thanks for coming. We'll see you in week 11. Good luck to everyone except Kevin. Go on. Good night. (laughs) Go on. (laughs)